Hello everybody, welcome to episode 2 of Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is a show where we discuss Bitcoin and its role in the wider global market. Today we have a good one talking about Japan and other demographics issues, so stay with us. Alright everybody, welcome back to Bitcoin and Markets, website bitcoinandmarkets.com, Twitter handle for me is at Ansel Lindner, please contact me on Twitter if you want to get hold of the show or you can do so uh, on the website. Alright, I'm going to try to build up this Japanese uh, effect on Bitcoin. Everybody definitely should be watching the developments in Japan. They recently passed that it is... Bitcoin is considered money over there. Uh, it's Bitcoin is constantly in the news. It's beginning to look like a viral kind of social phenomenon happening. There is uh, exchanges popping up, lots of volume happening. There's also uh, Spells of Genesis, which is uses tokens, the counterparty tokens, as, uh, I guess, assets in the game. There's also history, obviously, you have the Mt. Gox stuff that was there. You have cool wallets that are popping up. All sorts of stuff happening in Japan. Now, I think this is very, very important to Bitcoin over the next, say, 24 months. But let's run down some of the situation in Japan. Their debt-to-GDP ratio is 230% currently. And that has pretty much straight lined up since uh, over the last five years. Uh, I have a couple charts here. Let me check them out. So um, you, the Japanese debt has uh, nominally has grown straight line since about 2008. Um, before that, it hovered around, I want to say, 170% of GDP, which is borderline unsustainable if not uh, technically unsustainable and it's just gone up since then I mean the last three to four years is ridiculous when you look at the chart it just it looks like it imploded basically in about 2010 and it's just been straight line up since then um, there's a really great blog out there uh, it was on medium actually by Indie Square and the title is uh, or Indie Square blog official. The title is Rise of Bitcoin, a Token Economy in Japan. Monetary policy in Japan has been woefully unproductive, and you can see by that debt, they um, you know, have been trying to stimulate the economy through printing money, and that hasn't helped at all. I mean, the growth rate is meager at best. And a lot of that is probably just mass inflation as growth. Interest rates on government debt are out are negative out to 15 years. So there's not really any place for people to put money. The demographic situation is even worse than the debt situation. They have a working population versus a retired population of... Um, or actually, I should say the retired to working population ratio is 42%. It is 
8% higher than the next country, which I will touch on today, which is Italy. This, these are stats by the World Bank. Greece is the third, and Germany, or tied with Germany, I guess. But if here, I'll read off the list of the five worst. Well, I, I'll go all the way up to... Holy crap. I will go... I'll read a list of the last from worst getting better, but I will stop when we exit Europe. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, so first is Japan at 42% elderly to working population. Then we go to Italy, which is 34%. Greece, Germany, Portugal, Finland, Sweden, Bulgaria, France, they're all 30% or higher in this ratio. Then we have Latvia, Denmark, Estonia, Malta, Croatia, Lithuania, Austria, Spain, Belgium, United Kingdom. Uh, I guess uh, then, okay, United Kingdom, Netherlands, and then we get to the Virgin Islands, which is U.S. territory. But if you take that out, then we go Switzerland, Slovenia, Czech Republic, Hungary, Romania, Serbia, uh, Norway, and finally we get to Canada and Uruguay. So the top, I would, what is that, 20 or 30 countries minus the Virgin Islands are the worst working age to retirement ratio in the world. And Japan is by far and away the highest, 8 percentage points higher than anybody else. They are in drastically bad situation for demographics. And, of course, the, the government recognizes that. And Abe Shinto, or whatever his name is, he has, he's the prime minister over there. He's really tried. He's tried to reform their fiscal and their demographic situation, giving uh, women more protection for maternity leave, um, trying to even go as far as to subs directly subsidize babies so that you know, you'll get money if you have a child. And, uh, you know, they're really, really trying. Now they're looking at immigration reform. Currently they, I don't know what the exact number is, but they let very, very few people in. Even professionals uh, that move over there, they have three years, then they have to take a uh, immigration test, and, you know, less than 10% of people pass that test. And those are professionals. Those aren't just any old schmoes those are doctors and nurses and engineers so the the bar to live in japan as an immigrant is quite high i think you can get sponsored by um you can get sponsored by a company for for multiple years but you can't ever become a citizen right so that's their, their and so if you don't citizen then your demographics etc etc so you need to get more um immigrants in and they're looking at going i think it's like two hundred fifty thousand a year they're looking at letting in uh, on a specific immigration program to bolster their population but it's it's so little so late and with their with their retirees their unfunded liabilities their uh, all that stuff it is looking really really bad and their economy isn't growing after all of this stimulus, after all of the different programs that they've tried over the last 20 years, 
their economy is not growing. They've thrown everything at it. The best, quote-unquote, best minds, economic minds in the world have tried to help Japan to get out of this situation. And they have not been able to do that. It is not a coincidence that these type of Keynesian or these, uh, you know, stimulative uh, policies, a, a government run on monetary policy is failing. So that brings us to Bitcoin and where that, where I see that kind of fitting in. Now, a lot of these things are subconscious, right? So if you are, uh, um, a person that is the age to get married and have children, um, you know, you're a working age person, you, you're in your 20s or early 30s and you're wanting to get married and have kids, um, you know, they aren't doing that. Those, those people entering the workforce in Japan have very bad outlook on life. Subconsciously, this has invaded the psyche of J Japanese. They know they're aging. They know their outlook in life is very bad. They have horrible urbanization issues where some of their villages, I, I saw this one video on YouTube, there was a village that had a uh, elementary school that had 1,200 kids in it 15 years ago. Today it has 38 kids. The urbanization, the leaving of the countryside into these major metropolitan areas is horrible. Those villages are left with 90% retired people. How can you have an economy in a village of 90% retired people? You know? Um, I, it is bad. And these, the, the young folks that are looking to maybe marry, maybe not. I mean, a lot of these people are out there saying, uh, Japanese or the young people, we just don't want to get married. Mainly that's men. Women still from the, what I've seen, women's kind of still want to get married, but both genders are losing interest quickly in sex and children. Women still have this, uh, they still kind of want to get married uh, more than men. Men have totally lost interest over there in being married. And it's because they're, they have no outlooks. They have no prospects in life. Where's Bitcoin coming into this? Well, you know, they have huge tokenization business going on there. There's a lot of stuff with Spells of Genesis. There's a, um, you know, uh, this hype that's building up around tokenization. A lot of companies are kind of experimenting with it. I know this the one Bitcoin exchange, Zaif or Ziaf, that's in Japan. Z-A-I-F, I believe. They are experimenting with uh, rewards so you uh, your volume however much you trade you can earn rewards on your trading and those are tokens right some things like that are going to be big in the future and Jap japan is experimenting with those things so that's really really bullish for japan in bitcoin now if you add this bullish um, uncensorable currency untaxable uncensorable currency into this demographic time bomb demographic and debt time bomb you're going to see a shift i believe you're going to see a shift you're going to see a kind of a millennial revolt 
right? If you're a millennial in Japan, you're screwed when you look at the demographics and you look at the debt and the economy growth rate, right? You're screwed. But you already live online. You have a virtual girlfriend. You probably trade some Bitcoin or, you know, you're into this type of world, gaming world or virtual world. Well, the very logical step for you is I am just going to cut myself off from this debt. I am just going to become Bitcoin. I'm going to live Bitcoin. And so I can see a lot of these people in Japan, young people, really pushing this. And just think if they someone is really creative and they make some sort of Bitcoin swag that all the young people want to wear over there in Japan. Maybe some makeup company, because I know they, they have all this like makeup or um, weird like clothing trends over there. So just think if somebody, one of those big kind of trendy companies starts accepting Bitcoin or does some sort of Bitcoin swag and all these people want to wear this and want to be around this and want to know more about this. And they learn, well, hey, if I adopt Bitcoin and I start using it, I don't have to pay my excise tax on this stuff or my sales tax or you know if I earn uh, the average income over in Japan is something like 60,000 I think that's the median income it you know I earn my 60,000 but 30,000 of this is in Bitcoin type profits well my tax rate I just got bumped in half and I don't have to deal with this debt that I owe from my mom and dad and my grandma and grandpa doing unsustainable things with the economy that is totally legitimate in my view. Uh, that is totally possible. So what are we going to see going forward? Well, I mean, probably going to have some more tokenization happening. The uh, exchanges are going to get higher and higher volume. They're going to become becoming uh, more talked about, more in the limelight. More and more news are gonna, is going to be coming out of Japan. And I really think that there is a very big possibility for Japan to be front and center in this whole Bitcoin thing. But what about Europe? What about the Euro and Italy? Where do they fit into this? We're going to talk about that next. Okay, so I'm going to go through an article here on David Stockman's Contra Corner. It's by Ambrose Evans Pritchard at The Telegraph. It talks about Italy's problems, basically. They, they don't have any ability to get back in positive territory. Their debt to GDP continues to get worse every year, no matter what they try. And let is, let's read a little bit here. Uh, they have lots of quotes from different people but I'm just going to start right at the top Italy's running out of economic time seven years into an aging global expansion the country is still stuck in debt deflation and still grappling with a banking crisis that it cannot combat within the paralyzing constraints of monetary union but that's true the paralyzing constraints of the union are exactly why they cannot combat it um you know, they, 
there was a paragraph here. Let me find it. It's halfway down. Okay. Blame is pointless. The anthropological critique of the monetary union was always that it would be unworkable to corral Europe's prickly, heterogeneous nation cultures into a tight monetary union. And so it has proved. Well, that's true. So, okay, they can't combat this within the union. And they had people, uh, critics were talking back from the 90s when they were first debating this, that this was going to be unworkable. And now they say, now that uh, Ambrose Pritchard says, blame is pointless. Well, no, it, those two sentences are contradictory. Blame is pointless, but there has been critique in the past. I mean, maybe he's saying blame is pointless to move forward, right? But no, blame is not pointless because to by blaming people, we actually figure out why we went wrong in the first place. Let's go back to that time and listen to the critics that knew this was going to happen. There's people... You know, sound money people, Austrian economists, for years have said this will not work. Of course, the state, the statist economists, the the Keynesian economists, they were all about this because they wanted a more powerful body to ease. They wanted a more powerful body for monetary policy, to coordinate monetary policy. They are all about monetary policy. And that goes right back to the first paragraph when he says that, um, you know, they're still grappling with the banking crisis that they cannot combat. Well, they can't combat it because their only tools are monetary. It doesn't fit into their fucking worldview, right? Their economic worldview is that we need to ease. Monetary policy will fix this. So what do we do? We lump everybody that shouldn't be put together. We lump them into a monetary union. Because monetary policy weapons are the only thing that work. That's their opinion. They basically, Italy has not grown since the financial crisis. They actually have shrunk 9% since 2008. The, the situation in the south of Italy is the worst. It's, I mean, it's, it, it is as bad or worse than Greece. The unemployment rate in Italy as a whole is published as 11.4% and this article says but that's deceptively low the European Commission says a further 12% have dropped out of the data so you're really looking at about 23 to 25% unemployment in Italy as a whole the the youth jobless rate in the south, southern provinces or states or whatever they're called uh, 65% in Calabria 56% in Sicily 53% in Campania Despite an exodus of a hundred thousand a year, so even you have a hundred thousand people a year leaving from southern Italy to go to places like London outside of this monetary union, and they still have sixty-five percent unemployment in some of these places. Over fifty percent everywhere in southern Italy for youth. So there's this research institute, S V I M E Z, and it says the birth rate of these these former Bourbon territories, that's the southern Italy, they are the lowest since records began in 1862 when it was still called the Kingdom of the Two Sicilies. Uh, Pauperization is roughly comparable to that in Greece in the southern, if not worse. I mean, 
who knows it could be worse they're being propped up by the north right so if it was just the south it would probably be worse than than greece industrial output has dropped by 50 sorry 35 percent since 2008 in the southern part of italy and investment has dropped by 59 almost 60 percent investment has dropped in southern italy is a downward spiral <laughs> this article says in short southern italy is close to social collapse and there's precious little that premier renzi can do about it without reclaiming Ital italian economic sovereignty that hits the nail on the head hits the nail on the head i love that that statement right there um Okay, the story of Italy's disastrous deal with the euro is long and complex. The country had a large trade, large trade surplus with Germany in the mid-1990s before the exchange rates were fixed in perpetuity. Uh, so when, when you're building up to the euro, they had a time, I don't, I don't know exactly how long it was, it was a year or two, where uh, they froze the exchange rates because they wanted to get this people prepared for this this common currency where there are no exchange rates. So... They froze the, the, the exchange rate between the lira and the Deutschmark. And at that time, northern Italy had a surplus, a large, a large trade surplus, it says here. There were days, um, those were the days when it could still devalue its way to viability, much to the irritation of the German chambers of commerce. So, yes, they had control of their own currency. They kept it artificially low to help exports. But they had a large trade surplus, right? And that would go on until they had problems with that back with the lira, and then they would have to reset or, you know, have some sort of um, depression in Italy that would probably be much shorter-lived than what we have now. I mean, right now you're looking at eight years that they've been shrinking, right? And so who knows what the results would have been. Uh, so it says it lost 30% of its unit labor cost competitiveness against Germany over the next 15 years. Okay. So even since two th or okay, so the euro started in 99 and they, since 2000, the productivity per worker per capita in Italy has dropped 6%. So in the last over 16 years, the productivity is 6% lower, almost two decades after the euro, than it was before. I mean, how is how do people not see this as a euro problem? And people will see that. People will start seeing that very soon. And I mean, the they have the Brexit vote coming up. They're not in the euro, but they're in the the EU, and they're going to probably. I mean, I hope they vote to get out, but we'll see. And then, you know, you have Greece and Italy and Spain, all these southern countries, and even France is having problems. Now there is a kind of a NATO split. Turkey is is causing problems. I mean, there's there's so much going on here. I don't see how the euro will live. I think it could be done by the end of the year, 2016. They always these things always last longer than we think, so it could go into 2017, um, possibly 2018, but I I don't think so. 
And when you start talking about collapse of the euro, you start talking about people looking around at different alternatives and different things. So they will be discovering Bitcoin. They will look into these issues. Why? You know, they people always get really interested in economics and monetary theory around these type of big things. So people will be looking at that, blaming banks, blaming the elite, and they'll be looking for a new money, a millennial money, a young, youthful money. And I think that is going to be coming. So it's very politically explosive there in Italy and it's going to continue to get worse okay so Greece is very small right there I want to say the 20th largest economy or maybe the 30th largest economy in the world and they're getting smaller obviously but uh, the your the EU and the EMU can and can stamp on Greece's neck much more easily than Italy Italy will not sit back and take it. Um, Italy being the third largest economy in Europe and in the top 10 for the world, they have a lot more say, a lot more pull, a lot more influence. Uh, so, and they also have, I mean, they have some of the largest businesses in Europe. So Italy is not going to be able to be cornered like Greece was. They're not going to be... Um, shut out of things they'll be listened to more in bargaining and the troika which is the eu the imf and the ecb they're not going to be able to do to italy what they have done to greece so watch out for that now to bring this full circle back to bitcoin back to this demographic and kind of um, economic uh, Im impulse to bitcoin adoption here in the next couple years uh, i think Italy, you know, like I said a few minutes ago, there is going to be a push towards new money. And I, I like that PayPal thing, they're, they're, uh, the PayPal commercial where they're talking about new money. And, and, you know, I commented on the video and I said, oh, this isn't real new money. They're just trying to imitate what real new money is, and that's Bitcoin. They're trying to steal some of this, uh, uh, what would the word be this undertone this movement in society um, this feeling of the youth uh, from or towards old money from old money towards new money and that is what bitcoin is so i, I look for the rise of the millennials in the next couple years uh, i look for a rise of the meme of bitcoin being censorship resistant tax resistant um government resistant it's a money for the youth against the old system uh, there's a lot of those types of uh, trends happening around the world where people are just fed up with the status quo they're fed up with the old they want a new system and bitcoin is right there bitcoin harnesses the social power of the internet it is harnesses some of the popular things in youth culture like video games and virtual things um, virtual communications and so bitcoin is going to be there it's going to be known as the money the money of the millennials the millennials and uh, serve to pick up some of that uh, momentum from the from these demographic waves that are about to hit us
And that's all I have for you today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets. You can find me at bitcoinandmarkets.com or on Twitter at Ansel Lindner. My next episode up is going to be episode zero. I'm going to go back in time and give you guys an introduction to myself, an introduction to the podcast. So I hope to see you there. Until then, peace.